Now, Backyard Millionaire. How to create wealth where you are with what you've got. Here's your host, Chris Story. With your Backyard Millionaire Creed. Say it with me and mean it. Promise yourself to invest in yourself. Promise yourself to trust yourself. Honor your instincts. They're probably right most of the time. Promise yourself to never invest on an emotional basis, ever. Promise yourself to begin every negotiation with win-win in mind. You've already won. Promise yourself to find a need in your marketplace and fill it. Promise yourself to begin with the end in mind. Look forward, don't live in the future. Promise yourself to learn from your past, but don't spend too much time there either reveling in the great good old days or berating yourself for what you did wrong, move on and live the good life right here in the present. There's one common refrain among the 8 billion or so people on this planet. One thing almost to a person that we share in common. You want to matter. Let's just take that as truth. For this discussion at least, let's stipulate that is true. You want to matter. Then how does one go about mattering? Just after World War II, in a survey, 2 in 10 Americans said they were important. That same survey in 1997, it had jumped to 6 in 10, said they were important. Can you imagine what it is now in 2024? I'm guessing... 9 in 10 would answer, I'm important. But what does it mean to matter or to be important? And to whom do you matter? To whom are you important? Technology, namely social media and the advent of the smartphone that 9 tenths of us carry everywhere, even into the bathroom, has changed what this means, matter mean, to matter, to be important. Next Level Chef Season 3 Episode 1 features social media chefs competing and they show for each chef how many followers, subscribers, whatever, to Instagram, whatever social media they represent. And some have well over a million and you've never heard of them. You've never heard of them. Some have 500,000, some have well over 2 million. And they, in many cases, are making a living on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, in a world where anyone can be famous, anyone can build a brand or reputation on a social media platform, no problem. If you don't, but you follow them, you don't want to have a channel, but you want to follow them, you become part of this anonymous herd. And where's your happiness level then? Who do you matter to then? I'm telling you, if you are a follower of any of these social media influencers or mavens, your happiness level is probably in the toilet. Because after all, I mean, you could be famous, but you're not. You could cook better than them, but maybe you don't on camera. You can definitely dance better, right? You know as much or more about real estate or investing, whatever it is, than anybody on one of these social media platforms. And yet, if you don't have that same level of fame or you don't take advantage of these tools and and attract that kind of fame to your life, where's your happiness? I mean, your dog is cuter than that one. 
You're funnier than Cat Turd 2, right? But here you are, a nobody in a sea of nobodies, feeling worse than you've ever felt before, before ever even possible. You feel worse than ever. The reality is that happiness and contentment aren't about being famous. Ask Robin Williams, ask Anthony Bourdain, or Matthew Perry. Mother Teresa became famous not because of who she was, but because of who she helped. Who she made a difference to is what made Mother Teresa become a celebrated icon the world around. You are important to your family, to your loved ones, to your community. You matter to those you serve and give to. Who you serve in this world will certainly determine your level of happiness and importance, even if you have a single subscriber on YouTube or zero. To gain wealth in the world, all you need to do is find a need in the world and fill it. To gain contentment, deliver more use value than you take in cash value as compensation, and go give to those who cannot possibly return the favor to you and you'll feel a level of happiness unlike anything that can be found on social media. If I could tell the world just one thing it would be we're all okay and not to worry cause worry is wasteful and useless in times like these I won't be made useless won't be I Gather myself around my faith The light, the darkness most fear My hand the small The fee or the fine, you decide. With your Millionaire Minute, I'm Chris Story. If you want to be healthy and fit, you can pay a fee. Exercising, getting plenty of rest, and have a nutritious diet. Or you can pay the fine. That's expensive and sometimes painful medical intervention later. Same goes with your wealth. You could pay the fee by saving money, investment, delay gratification, and grow your net worth over time. Or you could pay the fine of never getting out of the rat race and live large above your means. Choose to pay the fee and watch your wealth and health grow. From Backyard Millionaire Radio, I'm Chris Story. Your Millionaire Minute is powered by the Kraken Cafe. And Homer, next to the gear shed, is where the Kraken lives. Gourmet coffee and delectable fresh food. Seriously, dude, the Kraken Cafe. Cozy studio apartment. Okay, cozy means teeny, 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 tiny, tiny, teeny, teeny, tiny. If you are the person that prefers to sit in the middle seat on an airplane, this is for you. That's what that place is gonna be like. And here's, a, here's something that seems good. Three bedroom, two bath house, seller is motivated. Seller is motivated means this house is currently on fire. <laughs> this girl is on fire. This girl is on fire. She's walking 
You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. I'm Chris Story, along with Mr. David Webb, bringing you what my mom calls the greatest show on earth. You can hear this program back and many others at our website, ilovehomeralaska.com, ilovehomeralaska.com. Also, you can start your real estate search there, Alaska-wide, at ilovehomeralaska.com. A bit ago, we played Hands by Jewel. What an incredible song that is. I love that song and love Jewel. She's on, I don't know if you know this or not, but Jewel is on the cover of Success Magazine, this issue, which is the March-April issue, but it's out already. I got it the week before last, I believe, last Saturday, so a little over a week ago. I walked down to the mailbox. It was cold. It was a bitter cold day, and I opened the mailbox, and it was almost like the sun was shining inside the mailbox because there's Jewel beautiful jewel on the cover of Success Magazine. And what makes this truly so great is that against all the odds, she became an international icon, yes, for her voice, but also her mind. She's lasted in this cutthroat world of the music industry for three decades, started in movies, television, and yet remains grounded, humble, a real person. It's a fantastic article. It's, it's, it's amazing. I, I suggest you read it. And if you talk to her in person, she isn't anything other than what you see in the spotlight. She is who she is. And here's a quote from the article, Success Magazine. Jewel said, I've never had to live a lie in the public eye because I've always gotten to be who I am. Isn't that great? I'm going to be talking a little bit about a story in the um, Alaska Dispatch. No, what's it called now? The Anchorage Daily News. Are they back to Anchorage Daily News? I just don't read it anymore. But somebody brought this story to my attention. Actually, it was uh, Michael Dukes this morning on his show brought it to my attention. An appraiser told Anchorage its lot was worth $3.2 million. The city sold it to a former mayor for $2.2 million. No, not the, uh, the naked mayor, not Berkowitz. Think one mayor prior to that, Begich. I, although I think, haven't they been business partners in a couple of restaurants together? Anyway, we'll talk about that. What is fair market value anyway? And how do municipalities, governments, how do these, in, these institutions go about disposing of land? When they want to sell off land, what's that disposition like? And is it fair? Is the process fair? We'll talk about that. And I, I'm pretty sure two things can be true at once. Plus, we're going to be talking about the ultimate ultimate retirement plan, the backyard millionaire, the working man's retirement plan. Can you fix, flip, and grow rich? I'll advise on that. Read a really cool article. I'm going to share some of these details about dreams and what they mean. If you've got the similar recurring dreams, a couple of them are pretty, pretty awesome, pretty cool to look inside the subconscious mind and what that might mean. Plus, freedom the greatest asset of it all asset of all that's coming up right here on the backyard millionaire stick around direct from homer alaska don't panic just come up with a good story here's the host of backyard millionaire chris story um what a great day zig ziglar was asked zig is it always a great day because he constantly talked about what a great day it was and he said yes it is friend if you don't believe me just try missing one of them one time 
couple of years ago, I guess it was. I had Mark Begich, Senator, former Senator Mark Begich, on the On Top of the World radio program. That, that show's still out there at On Top of the World um, at our podcast. But I, I said to him, and I quote, Mark, I didn't want to like you. I said that right to his face. He was standing here in, in our office. We were doing the face-to-face interview. And I said, I didn't want to like you. But, but he's a nice guy. How do you think you get this far into a political career as Mark Begich? Former mayor of Anchorage, what, 48 times? I'm exaggerating, but you know what I'm saying. He was he's beloved around Anchorage. That's what got him elected to the Senate, essentially. That and other things we won't go on about because that's not important. That's not what I'm talking about. But he's a nice, charismatic individual. He's easy to get along with. You know, when you're not crossing political swords. Just personably is what I'm saying. So the question is, did Mark Begich steal a million dollars from the municipality of Anchorage? And again, go back to the article, Nathaniel Hers, which I used to interview him all the time when he was at the Alaska Dispatch, which is why I was confused about the name. When I was hosting uh, the morning news and comment show on KBYR, we had him on constantly there in Anchorage. And um, he's a nice enough young guy, but I'm pretty convinced the only reason this is even a headline around Alaska is because a Republican, a conservative Republican is involved as a business partner of Begich. That's, that's my personal opinion. But let's get back on point. An appraiser told Anchorage its lot was worth, the headline says 3 mil, but actually the appraisal was 3.2. And it sold it for uh, 2 million to a former mayor, actually sold it for 2.2 million. All right, that's superfluous. Question. And this is why I wanted to bring it to you here at the Backyard Millionaire, because not because it's a, a political hot potato right now in Anchorage, but because it's an interesting idea. What is fair market value? I mean, what is it? So if you're going to be purchasing something and you're the buyer, there's got to be a seller. And in this case, it was a municipal seller. Government was the seller. It's irrespective. Who the players are has nothing to do with fair market value. However, having two players involved thus creates fair market value. Seller, a willing seller, and a willing buyer, their agreed upon price as negotiated becomes fair market value. So then what is an appraisal? An appraisal, and and there's multiple approaches, income approach, and by the way, the property we're talking about in Anchorage, Alaska is a parking lot a fee parking lot that the city, the municipality of Anchorage was running as a business in the public sector, but but a business nonetheless. It's an income approach. There's also a comparable sales approach and then a cost to construct approach. So new new construction. If you were to build, say, a a home or a commercial building, they might use a combination of all three or they might use, um, you know, they use at least two and then aggregate the two together. On this case, I don't know. I have not reviewed the appraisal, but just for conversational purposes for you and me, let's just assume that it was an appraisal that was based on a comparative comparable sales in 2019. Okay. That's what's not in the headline. This appraisal took place in 2019. The purchase took place just, uh, was it earlier, just earlier this year or, or late last year? All right. So first off, you should know appraisals are have a shelf life of six months. That's it. If a, if a lender gets their hands on an appraisal that was done for another sale and maybe that, that sale fell through for some reason, they can only use that appraisal for another 
six months. There's not going to be uh, some three, four years later looking back at an appraisal. So why are we even discussing that appraisal? It's irrelevant. It's birdcage liner. It's not even a basis with which you'd say, oh, it must have grown in value from there. Not necessarily. You don't know that. So am I making a defense case here for Mark Baggage that he didn't actually take the city for a million bucks? Maybe. Maybe he did. We'll get to that. So then you have a broker opinion of value. And I bring that up because some of the people involved in this scandal, or at least observing this quote scandal, are saying, hey, I've talked to some real estate agents, and here's what they've told me. It could have gotten more than what, what Mark Beggage paid for it. All right, a broker opinion of value is a range that's never going to be a, a singular number, almost never going to be a singular number. It's always going to be a range because... That's what we're tasked with doing as brokers when we provide a market opinion or an opinion of value for whatever reason. Usually, nine out of 10 times, it's going to be for the purposes of uh, do you want to sell your property? And if you want to sell your property, you got to know about what it's worth, what might a willing buyer pay for it in its present condition and in the condition of the marketplace as we see it and we project into the future. And then we also project into the future as to how many days on market or what kind of market exposure can you expect before this thing is done and closed. And then you, you've got a high and a low. And then you, the seller, and your broker who provided you the opinion of value discuss then, okay, well, we're in a big hurry. We're really in a hurry. I mean, we want to get out of here. We got to get to Sheboygan. We got, I say that city constantly because it's fun to say. You get the point. We've got to get to Sheboygan very quickly. Got a job there. Got an ill family member there. We've got to get to this, whatever it is that's driving you and motivating you. That's up to you. And you can then ratchet down on that value range and say, you know what? I'm going to go at the lower end of that range. Okay, great. So maybe you choose that. Or you say, you know what? I'm not in a hurry. I'm not that motivated. I'm willing to sell it, but if only if I get that top number, fine. Now you pick the top number, but it's still going to be a range coming from a broker. So when somebody that's referring to the value in this article and saying, oh, I talked to realtors. Well, that's what they're saying is that, hmm, it could have, but you don't know the motivation of the city in this case. And a couple of other things. If we talk about the income approach, maybe it was even losing money. Maybe the parking lot's losing money and or not just losing money, but they know the infrastructure is terrible, 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 as Charles Barkley would say, it's terrible. And, and they know we're going to have to put a mill into this thing or the liability is weighting us down. We need to get rid of, we need to get rid of this albatross off our back. Fine. Get rid of it. Two mil out the door, 2.2 million. We'll sell to baggage and his partner. Let's get rid of it. That's one motivation possibly that we do not know. And so when you think about, oh, it appraised in 2019, just don't even worry about it. The appraisal in 2019 is irrelevant. Is it, was it high then or was it low then? Has it appreciated since then? It's hard, hard to know without actually going in and doing the, the work yourself. My point in bringing it up is there's so much to this story that is salacious and could sound really, uh, really damning of baggage and his political insider trading here potentially i mean it's like there's a lot to glom onto and want to you know like oh boy you know isn't he the guy that was the 60th vote for obamacare that that took away your your major medical plan and there's a fine there's a lot of probably eyes on this as a result of that but what i want to bring up is that two things could be true at once okay 
Mark Begich could have paid approximate fair market value. Okay, maybe this is about what it is, is, is today. We don't really know, but let's just assume that that's fair market value. And he could have also used his political connections to obviate any competition and create a, uh, an exclusive deal for himself. Both of those things could be true. Here's another one. Uh, Begich is a smooth operator. I told you at the start of this, I interviewed him. One of the first things I said after like four minutes of conversing with him is, man, I... I didn't want to like you. You're, he's convivial. He's a smooth operator. Again, how do you think? I mean, basically from cradle to today, he has been a political machine. His family, that's what they do. And so he's a smooth guy and well-connected. Okay, that's true. But he's also, is Mark Baggage improving the downtown district of Anchorage, isn't he? He is. He's in, in, improving a hotel next door. Uh, he's going to very likely be improving the parking lot, the structure of it, the function of it, the management of it. Um, and he's going to, at that same time, be creating more tax revenue for the municipality. So when you, disp when you dispose property from the public sector into the private sector, you're automatically creating a little slot machine that's going to, from now on, pay into the city coffers. Now, mind you, the way the, 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 <laughs> the, way the Anchorage Assembly works right now, they're going to find a way to, to waste that money as quick as they can, but it's going to be coming in. So both those things could be true. Mark is well-connected and maybe used that influence to create exclusivity. But he could, it could also be true at the same time that he actually is improving the downtown district. He actually is doing something, risking his money, his capital, his sweat, his time to increase the marketplace. So both of those things and all those things could be true at the same time. And so when you think about what really is at stake here and what I think the article misses is how we dispose of public land how we dispose of public property. It needs to be ubiquitous, it needs to be fair, and it needs to be publicized, it needs to be notorious. Everyone who's interested or might want to be interested needs to be able to have found this opportunity. There needs to be a, either a sealed bid process or a date with which offers will be submitted for review. It needs to be simplified. There needn't ever be a time that somebody could even get, have the appearance of this impropriety. And so we as a state, we as boroughs, we as municipalities need to be on the same page and disposing of property in a fair way, in a way that doesn't create even, as I said, maybe two things could be clear here at once. Yes, baggage got today's fair market value, even though it's a million less than a five-year-old appraisal. Okay, that can be true right along with the fact that maybe it really does reflect what the value is today versus then because of deferred maintenance. Again, it's not just a piece of raw dirt. It's a functioning parking lot. That means it's got infrastructure, it's got asset value that could have been in such decline that he's gonna have to actually start from scratch and invest a lot of capital into it. But the problem is there seems to have been an exclusive opportunity only for baggage, and that's the problem. See those houses over there? I'm buying them. Those crappy ones? Well, what for? For an investment. What have I been saying? I don't know. Real estate. Buy real estate. Y'all ready for this? And why I play that clip right now it shouldn't be lost on you that Tony Soprano, who was speaking to his son, EJ, was actually pointing to homes he was purchasing in a fraudulent way through a HUD revitalization program. And the appraiser, in that case, 
and a clergyman who had to be a nonprofit that would then take receivership of the homes uh, once they were purchased. Everybody was everybody's hand was was washing each other, and they were deceiving and defrauding the government, the federal government, and local government, and their state government there in New York or Jersey, New Jersey. And so, again, we need to be making sure that we, as your city, as your communities, your county, your borough, your city, your state, municipality, whatever it is, is starting to talk about disposing more money as the state of Alaska, our governor is talking about that. Wonderful. Better be a, an above board process. I will tell you this right now. I do not want myself, I don't want the stink on me to even, even think that I picked up a piece of municipal or city property without an open process. I wouldn't participate in it. If the city manager, which he doesn't return my calls anyway, but if he did and said, I want to I want to offer this property too because it's adjacent to one you own and we're just going to sell it to you directly. I say, no, absolutely not. This needs to be open and notorious. I don't want to wear that stink. No, thank you. Needs to be fair. You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire. When we return, we're going to be talking about the ultimate ultimate in retirement plan and how freedom is the greatest asset of why do I have a hard time saying that asset of all here on the backyard millionaire stick around uh, so much to accomplish here on the backyard millionaire how to create wealth where you are with what you've got by the way I'm looking at one of our backyard millionaire coins right now it sits here on my desk in its own little golden um, holder coin holder looking up right at me. It's a beautiful coin. This is, I, I have to tell you, this is our third annual commemorative collective coin. We only do a hundred of each. No more on top of the world coins to, um, to give out. Nope, those are done. However, I've got a select few backyard millionaire coins. On the reverse side of the coin in gold, inscribed in gold, it's gold on gold. And it's a formula. It's the ultimate wealth formula. Leverage multiplied by effort equals gold leverage times effort equals gold it's uh it's a beautiful coin i'm going to give one away right now text the word millionaire at 907-299-7653 gives me great this is why i do this that's why i get these coins i love giving them away text the word millionaire at 907-299-7653 enter to win just there oh people are texting in now you enter to win i'm going to pick in the next break randomly and while we're giving things away, it's time to do our 100-word story contest. If you've never written a fictional story in 100 words, it's not as easy as it sounds, or it's more difficult than you think, or it's, I don't know what it is, it's difficult to do. 100 words, exactly. So I want you to try your hand at it. If you're willing to do it, the theme of our 100-word story this time is real estate or house or land, or old building. Could be any of those categories. Real estate, generally speaking, a house, land, or an old building. And what, what you, you're entering to win by sending your 100-word story has to be on the nose at 100 words. I'm going to demonstrate that for you in just a moment. And you'll send it at alaskamattersradio at gmail.com. And you're entering to win at that point a copy of all my books, all four of my books, a backyard millionaire gold coin, and a pro professional production of your story. Um, and I'm pretty sure I can get Michael Dukes to do it because he's the greatest narrator, book narrator that I've, I've met. He's fantastic. So all of that, and again, the theme of your 100-word story is real estate, a house, land, or old building. And I'll demonstrate. 
open house, closed casket. The door was ajar when I walked up the concrete sidewalk, still wet with morning dew. The open house sign had two balloons dangling like the listless arms hanging at a crippled man's side. Hello? I said, pushing the door open. No answer. The hardwood floors greeted me like an old friend. The ceiling was high, and up overhead was a massive crystal chandelier. As I reached the bottom of the curved staircase that rose elegantly towards the second floor, the door slammed shut behind me. The man held a kitchen knife dripping with blood. He said, Welcome home. That's a hundred words, period. Not 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 ninety-nine, not a hundred and one, not ninety-eight. It's a hundred. Genius, you hey, that's you can say I I shouldn't refer to myself in the genius in the third person or the first person. So I'll let you if you want to. But I'd love to hear your story. Try it out a hundred words. Again, the the theme this year is real estate, house, land, or old building. You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. I'm your host, Chris Story. Can you fix, flip, and get rich? In any market, in any any market anywhere in the world, yes. If, that's the qualifier, if, again, can you fix, flip, and get rich? Answer yes, if, A, you buy at the right price, and so often in today's market, you find fixers at tomorrow's price, a fixed price. So that, that's a challenge. Can you buy it at the right price? B, do you have the ability to do some of the work, all the work, or at least coordinate the work at reasonable pricing? We're talking about subcontractors now. C, the if is you bought in an area that has a demand for your finished product. Do you know what the flip side is, pun intended? Do you know that there's a demand for what you're going to produce? You're going to take this piece of coal and turn it into a diamond. Are you, are you selling a diamond in a land, the land of ruby? Better know exactly what the demand's going to be for your finished product because that's going to guide what you do. Because D, this is the, the, the fourth if, Yes, you can fix and flip and get rich if your holding and carrying costs don't eat up your margin. That's a big piece of it right there. Holding costs can eat you alive. Carrying costs, overruns on the, the fixing if you haven't estimated that well. And if you've not, the other F, if you haven't figured out what the flip's gonna be. And if you don't really know what the market wants on the other side of it, um, do I recommend fix, flip, and get rich? Absolutely not. It's always the same thing, is that real estate is the best investment of all. There's two reasons why real estate's the best investment, time-honored, but you gotta be smart at it. The number one reason for real estate is debt. 
you know, who else is going to give you money to buy? You know, they don't give you money to start a business. So they don't give you money to invest in oil. But they give you money to buy real estate. So debt is the key. So as I cover my book, Second Chance, debt makes the rich richer. And secondly, taxes make the rich richer. So when I buy real estate, it is the last investment where I can make millions of dollars and pay zero tax legally. Robert Kiyosaki on real estate. I haven't read Second Chance. Rich Dad, Poor Dad is part of my Backyard Millionaire Library. I hope it's part of yours. The other one I like of his quite a bit is Retire Young, Retire Rich. Both of those, I think, are worth being in your library. The Backyard Millionaire Plan is what I call, it's the essential working man's retirement plan. And don't be triggered by working man. Think working day if, you, if it makes you feel better. I'm just saying, for, for the people like Tiffany and I that are workaday people that aren't afforded a pension, we don't have a 401k, we have a 401u. It's on us. So here's the benefit of it. If you like the sound of that, the Backyard Millionaire Plan is to own and control four rental homes in your area. You have 100% control of your asset portfolio that's under your management. I just watched a 2013 special on front, I think it was a front line. I don't remember how I ran across it, but I ended up watching it and it was from 2013. So this is post dot-com bubble, post apocalyptic housing bubble of 2008. So 2000 the dot-com, 2008. So not quite 10 year cycle there. And this is post all of that at 2013. People were still struggling, still trying to put back into their retirement plans, still were had been just hit hard. And some people had to start almost from scratch. And it just made me really think hard about this whole backyard millionaire plan and the importance of it and getting the word out about how important it is to control your own management. Most of the people that were participating in this, this frontline expose didn't have a clue as to how or what to invest in through their managed portfolio. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know anything about it, given like two minutes to think about it when they signed up for their original 401k. And I, I understand there's a lot of levers of control that people can have in and around that. But ultimately, you're really dependent upon, over time, somebody making decisions on your behalf really well. Whereas if you have your own backyard millionaire plan, retirement plan, you're appreciating, your assets are appreciating over time, you're building wealth over time, you're creating passive income that's paying down your leverage. This is what Robert Kiyosaki was talking about, that debt that's helping you get rich because you're highly, you're leveraged. I don't want to say highly leveraged because that can be dangerous. I'm not talking about balloon payments. I'm not talking about debt bonds that can explode and destroy your your plan. I'm talking about the using a, a smart, leveraged portfolio paid down by other people, your tenants, leaving you with an income property, paid for income property that will produce income for the rest of your life. Now, when pensions existed, what a wonderful thing. You could go retire, you'd know your future was set, you'd know exactly what five years, 10 years, 15 years from now was going to look like. Nowadays, about the best way I can find to have peace of mind today is to own and control my own retirement plan, which is to say at least four rental homes in your own backyard. This is the leverage 
times effort because it does take effort. You hear the term passive and it's not without effort. It's not without work. This isn't get rich quick. It's also leveraged over time. That's what equals the goal. That's the working man's retirement plan. Four homes and you can do this. And if you're at an age where you're like, yeah, nah, it's not for me, but I, then let's get your kids. Let's get your grandkids. Let's get other younger people thinking about it. If we've moved on past that phase and we're look, I'm happy with what I've got. It's working out fine. But boy, I sure, I sure wish my grandson knew that or my son-in-law or my son or my daughter or my granddaughter. Tell you what, send me a text right now and just write, just send me the word book. That'll open the conversation, 907-299-7653. I want to mail a copy of The Backyard Millionaire, How to Create Wealth Where You Are with What You've Got. I'll mail a paperback to them. So just send the word book right now at 907-299-7653. After the show, I'll follow up with you, get their name and address, and I want to send it to that person. If you think it sounds right for them, or you for that matter, I've got... Five books I'm sitting here looking at on my shelf right now. I'm going to send out five of them. I hope one is to you or somebody you love. Send it, send it right now. 299-7653. Just send the word book. I want to talk about REITs. Are REITs right for you? Now, a REIT is a real estate investment trust. So stick around because we're going to be talking about that. Is a REIT right for you? You see these advertised on the internet. You see them kind of all over the place. And people are talking about REITs or somebody's got a capital fund. They may not call it a REIT, but it's essentially the same thing. You may see uh, Grant Cardone out there, one of the um, evangelists also for Scientology. And he is a, uh, he's collected a billion dollars in what he calls the Cardone Capital Fund. It is essentially a REIT. It's a real estate investment trust. I'm going to talk about kind of when they were established, how they got established, and more importantly, and most importantly, is a REIT right for you. We'll talk about that and more when we return here to the Backyard Millionaire. Stick around. <laughs> You're listening to the Backyard Millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. I'm Chris Story being entertained in the off time by Mr. David Webb, your producer and engineer. I want to thank Horizon Wireless for helping make this program possible through their incredible wireless network. You can get the same service we've got. 907-299-70. No, that's my number. Thank you. 907-226-3130-226-3130. Now, you, look, when we use their service, we're making gold-plated radio, but you can do whatever you want to do with it. Horizon Wireless. All right, freedom is the greatest asset of all. Now, wealth may not buy you happiness, but what it can buy you is freedom. And that's worth a lot. Freedom from want. Also, freedom from being run by the day. You can choose this freedom right now where you are with what you've got simply by doing the following. Do more now than you're paid for, and one day you'll be paid for more than you do. Also, start choosing to say, I get to versus I have to. I get to, you fill in the blank. Never again I have to, I get to. Even if you're kind of, if you feel, oh, I would rather be sleeping. I get to go to work at 5 a.m. I'm so excited. I get to program your subconscious mind. And here's another thing. Start a side hustle. If you want freedom, 
You want access to that freedom of time, freedom of, from want, freedom from too much month at the end of the money. Start a side hustle. Real estate could be a great side hustle if you're ready. If you're not quite ready, don't approach it. But if you're ready, you've got cash, you've got credit, you've got some things, you've got your savings. Remember, you cannot save your way to wealth, but you can invest your way to a fortune if you can learn to save. You've got all that figured out and you're well on your way. Then start a side hustle in real estate or something else. How about a side hustle working in real estate by, oh, I don't know, washing windows, cleaning, doing some sort of side service. There's constant need for handy people, handy men, constantly in need. There's a way to create a side hustle adjacent to real estate where you are with what you've got. You can do it right now. All right, is a REIT right for you? So a REIT is, again, a real estate investment trust first originated in the United States in 1960. That's right, the REIT Act was, of course, listen to this, you just can't make this up in this country. It was all part of, as you recall, the cigar excise tax extension. Nah, nah, nah. I believe this is called the Christmas tree ornament or you know, a Christmas tree bill. It's moving its way through and somebody hung on, hey, you're doing that job. Cigar excise tax extension, right? Okay, I got this read I want to hang on. Oh, doesn't that look pretty? Yay. All right, fine. Whatever. However it happened, in 1960, the REIT Act was passed, and it established a way for you, the individual, to invest in large-scale, diversified portfolios of income-producing real estate without having to directly manage the properties. And I would go further and say you don't actually own the properties. You own a stake in the company that owns the properties. You own a a share or a hundred shares or a thousand shares. They, they trade on the stock exchange. A REIT is essentially a stock by another name. REITs are uh, basically required to pay out 90% of their taxable income to investors, if there is any income. Okay, 90% of it must be paid out to investors and you, the investor, are then subject to, that's right, gains, capital gains tax on each disbursement. See, the federal government's never going to miss an opportunity to wet their beak annually. Whereas real estate can go up in value. Ownership of real estate can go up in value, say, 20% in a given year or two or 10. And you're not taxed on it until you sell that. Whereas a REIT, you're continually taxed as you go if the REIT is profitable. So if, if let's just say that you buy an asset and it becomes worth a little bit less in a given year. Let's say you're Mark Begich and you picked up a parking lot for $2.2 million in Anchorage and the next year it's worth 2.1 or 1.8, all right? But the income is still positive. The income is still positive, who cares? Whereas a REIT's value is gonna go up or down as a portfolio of this stock, if you will, and your share is gonna go up or down with it. And then of course that's gonna dictate your 90% disbursement. Your, your share of that 90% disbursement. All right, so basically, I, I'm, I'm not against a REIT. I just wanna be really careful about how you think about those and, and suggest that if you're not in a position where you wanna own and operate real estate, you don't wanna own and operate apartment building or a laundromat or a, a commercial building or mini storage or a single family home or a duplex, whatever. Maybe you don't want anything to do with that. There are ways that you can actually buy notes and deeds of trust in your own community on a secondary market. You can own 
a deed of trust, which is securitized by a piece of real estate in your own backyard that you can look at, you can drive by, you can do your own due diligence. With REITs, they're going to own a smattering of apartments or commercial complexes across the country, coast to coast, and you don't have any say over any of it. You have no, I mean, really the due diligence is just to look at the performance and hope that history, past performance will predict and, and uh, impact the future outcome, which is not necessarily true. So going back to Grant Cardone's Grant uh, Cardone Capital for just a moment, he's also you know paying out dividends. He's also uh, purchasing. He's I think in his words he's got fifteen thousand apartment units. But notice that he always says I've got fifteen thousand apartment units, and then at the same time he's inviting you to send him money to then invest in more, and you'll get a return on it. But as he's handing out some of those returns, of course you're being taxed. And it's just, I would, I would be very circumspect and I would do a lot more due diligence about the company before you invest in a REIT and whether or not you really want to go down that road. I, I'm not against them, but is it right for you? I don't know. I, I would encourage you to talk to a financial advisor, but not just a financial advisor. I, I encourage you to also bring in a broker, bring in a real estate broker into the conversation bring in somebody who does property management, talk to somebody who's been down the road before of ownership of income producing property and weigh the, the pros and the cons for yourself. But a, a REIT can be right if you've got, maybe you've got $100,000 cash and it's just sitting there. And okay, yeah, maybe a little savings interest is accruing. Maybe you've moved some of it into a, a, a CD uh, bearing 5% or 4.9, whatever it is now. And you're just, eh, it's okay. Maybe you take that same hundred and do move it into a REIT. However, if you've not considered owning, buying, trading in locally in your own backyard, notes and deeds of trust, I'd encourage you to look at that first. It's not something that I'm going to say um, to rush into, but neither would I rush into a REIT, neither would I have you rush into real estate. Hello. It's all about getting rich slowly, getting wealthy slowly over time. If anybody's promising you fantastic returns, I have two words for you. Bernie Madoff. Wonderful book about Charles Ponzi, whom after all schemes have been named. Um, wonderful book. Ponzi started out wanting, Charles Ponzi was an Italian immigrant to America, legally. And he came to America, his mother was here, and he wanted wealth. He wanted a taste of the American dream. He wanted that opportunity. And he came up with an idea. And the idea was to take uh, the postage, what was it? Um, there were postal certificates that you could buy in America and redeem in Europe for more money. You could buy it here for less money than you could redeem it for in Europe. So his plan was to pick up a bunch of these postal certificates, get on a boat, travel all the way across the pond, redeem them for more money, come back, and have made a fabulous profit. And the way it would work would be volume. I just need more people. I need more money. I don't have enough money, Charles Ponzi said, to actually do this myself and make a difference. But if I get other people's money, well, it never worked. He didn't even get it off the ground once, but he kept making the money, taking in other people's money, paying out these little dividends, giving a little taste here, a little taste there, fabulous return with other people's money. You know how the scheme works. Thus created the Charles Ponzi scheme, the Ponzi scheme. He ended up dying alone, 
I want to say with syphilis or something. I mean, it was a tragic, horrible, horrible end. Poverty-ridden uh, prisoner. You know, he'd been a convict. Obviously, he'd been uh, his name is you know what it is today. But what I found most interesting about Charles Ponzi. Do you know what he first did with his profits and proceeds from this scheme, from this house of cards he was building? And by the way, not to excuse him, but he always wanted to go legit, just like Michael Corleone. He always wanted to take the family legit. The first thing he did, the very first thing he did was buy real estate. <laughs> Even Charles Ponzi knew, take my money and go buy real estate. He bought real estate. He bought homes. He bought his mother a home. He bought himself a home. He bought investment property. He took from New York and bought real estate in Florida. He understood at least that much that real estate is the great. Am I calling REITs Ponzi schemes? Absolutely not. They're a totally legitimate investment avenue. It's, a, it's something that you could pursue and do okay with. But just don't ever think for a minute when you hear the advertisement saying, hey, no toilets, no this, no that. You could own real estate and you're not owning real estate. It's a stock in a company that owns real estate. And you're just trading in it and hoping, hoping that they manage it, hoping it doesn't turn into uh, a disaster. And you're going to be subject to the whims of markets and places you don't even know how to pronounce, like Sheboygan. Like, so just be careful. Is a REIT right for you? I don't know. Get with your own financial advisor and then get with a real estate broker and let's have a deeper conversation. There was a recent housing survey done, conducted here in the Homer area. 27 respondents said yes. Oy vey. One in four is another way to look at this. 27% of the respondents of the survey said, should a landlord be required to charge less than the property's fixed costs if the fixed costs is above average rent for the area? So in other words, rent control. Should rent control apply in the Homer area? One in four respondents said yes. They simply do not understand what they're asking for. You want to limit supply? You want to limit the ability to actually find affordable housing? Try rent control in your backyard. Ask people in New York City how it's going for them. Talking about investors, talking about the average person trying to find a place, it's difficult. Rent control is a mistake. I don't blame the people that responded. I think they just misunderstand the implications. And that's what we're here for, The Backyard Millionaire. I'm Christopher Story for David Webb and myself. I'm reminding you, and yes, I do mean you, really can make a million bucks in your own backyard. We'll see you next time.